On the 15th of November, the New Zealand Prime Minister and the Minister for Trade and Export Growth, Honourable Damien O'Connor, announced the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or known as RCEP, as being fully concluded and signed. What's in it for Aotearoa? Well, here's a list. Increase of New Zealand's GDP by around $2 billion overall. Increase in opportunities for New Zealand exporters to access regional markets. Cuts in red tape and offers one set of trade rules right across the Asia-Pacific region. And new government procurement, competition policy and electronic commerce offers New Zealand exporters increased business and opportunities. Uh, joining us now to tell us more, Fatalo Fatui Lausunga, Minister for Trade and Export Growth, Honourable Damien O'Connor. Welcome to the programme. Hi, uh, Morena. It's great to be here. Uh, Minister, let me ask you directly. Now, with the TPPA, that was, you know, a very loud noise. We heard a lot of protesting and people sharing their opinion in the public. How come RCEP, therefore, was quietly and secretly talked about and signed without the knowledge of Aotearoa? Well, it wasn't secret. Uh, we've been taking uh, eight long years, I guess, to get to this point. Um, it's been a long uh, negotiation, working really uh, challengingly through some of the issues at times, but what we did get to is uh, bottom lines for New Zealand, which is always the case that to protection of the right to uh, uphold the, the Waitangi, um, to legislate for uh, labour and environmental laws, uh, to protect things like Pharmac. So those were really important bottom lines for us. Um, but we set out with an ambition to try and open the opportunities for our goods in particular and services uh, into all these other 16 countries or 15 other countries plus us. Um, you know, we had to moderate our ambitions and as other countries have different objectives, some of them are developing countries. So as with any trade negotiation, it's very complex um, and, and the details, you know, probably would bore most people. Um, it's certainly very challenging for our trade negotiators. Um, but now we have the deal, all of that information will be on the table and a select committee will go through it really carefully. Minister, with anything, globalisation, trade agreements, there's always a cost to everyone else involved just to be a part of the table. In that, what's the cost to New Zealand as a whole in terms of our industry and our local businesses? Well, it's not always a cost. Um, you know, we may not get the ambition and the gains that we set out to do, um, but but no, basically, um, you, you know, we've got uh, opportunities into the future through a trade structure um, that, that will enable us, you know, to, to and, and give security to exporters, to people who want to develop products or develop a service here, to know that the, the, these are the rules that they want to trade into the 14 other countries. India, of course, decided at the last minute not to um, to sign into RCEP, but the doors open for them to to turn up, and that's a third of the world's population where exporters have some security and knowledge of what the rules are. That's that's incredibly valuable for us moving into the future. Looking at the. If we're looking at the the market share of private and uh, public business in Aotearoa, what percentage of New Zealand-owned businesses that will stand to to benefit from this latest agreement? Knowing full well that when it comes to these agreements, you know the the opponents of them will always say that um, it's most if it, it's beneficial for those who have the most effective lobbying capacity uh, in relationship with government, which is not all businesses, only some in Aotearoa. What would you say to that? 
Look, I mean, I know that's a, that's a constant kind of uh, criticism of, of trade agreements, but um, one in four people are involved in directly in exports in our country, and the benefits from that wealth creation, what we, we sell offshore, um, you know, often through creative efforts or using our, our, our land and, and uh, you know, agriculture and horticultural systems, all of that wealth comes into our country, goes around in our economy, and benefits the whole country. So it's not just those who sell the products directly, but it's actually the services and the jobs that support that system. And one in four New Zealanders is directly connected to uh, an export industry. So all of those people uh, will directly benefit and everyone else will in indirect ways. New Zealand already have uh, existing um, bilateral agreements with pretty much most of the countries in the 15-country pact that it's now called RECIP. Are those agreements still going to stand as they were, or is the the RCEP more like the the master agreement that's going to uh, update and upgrade all the existing ones, uh, adding some additions here and there? No, well, it will, it will sit on top of the existing FTAs, and those will remain in place. What RCEP does will will deal with some of the other issues, emerging issues like e-commerce um, and service areas, um, government procurement that that might have been missed in those FTAs. I mean, the world is moving at a very fast pace. Um, and having rules that keep up with that innovation is always a challenge. Um, but what RCEP does is, is put a, you know, a, a framework in place that hopefully keeps up or allows us to keep up with, with the emerging uh, opportunities. And as I say, e-commerce, and there's still areas around taxation of international companies that we have to work through across the globe. So you know, as a small trading nation that is absolutely dependent upon connections to um, uh, all other countries across the world, um, you know, in a diplomatic way, but but in particular those who buy our products, we've got to keep battling uh, each and every day. Otherwise, you know, if the doors close or some uh, some non-tariff barrier or some arbitrary intervention is made to um, uh, hold, uh, you know, some of the products at the port, one of the things we've reached with RCEP is, is an agreement that within six hours um, of of perishable products arriving in any one of those other 14 countries, then they will be moved um, you know, to, to customers so that we don't waste those products. What we saw in the past from time to time was that, that there'd be some uh, technical glitch or someone would say the paperwork's not right and those perishable products would be wasted. And, and that's the kind of security that people who, who are looking to you know, create new products from New Zealand, um, they want to know that all that effort is not wasted because someone um, or some system says, look, it's not right. Traditionally, when you see size of these agreements in most other bigger countries, you always see um, it's almost like the precursor to setting up, uh, you know, you're familiar with the free trade zones that usually manages such a size of incoming importing and exporting. Is, is this like a precursor to New Zealand moving into a potential uh, free trade zone, particularly for these sort of exchanges? Uh, no, not necessarily. I guess we would probably claim that New Zealand is a free trade zone. You know, we've removed most tariffs and barriers to, to people bringing goods into New Zealand, and we've said we, we would like them to do the same for us. And and if we lower those barriers and we allow the free movement, um, you know, of, of goods, of capital, of services, um, or, or the movement with, with fair controls, probably is the best way to put that, um, then, then we think the world will be 
a better place. There'll be more. The issue of food security is one that's emerging in, in um, across the world, but in particular in Asia, where some of the countries, Singapore is a classic example, can't produce enough food for its people. So it needs to know that, that there's a secure supply line um, and that's the kind of thing that we can negotiate through free trade agreements and through uh, multilateral agreements like RCEP, uh, CPTPP. And uh, it's, it's the direction of travel uh, that we want to ensure is, is to open up trade opportunities, not close them down, which is what we have seen through protectionism um, in, in some countries around the world. And that, that direction of travel is a very frightening one for us. I mean, protectionism, funny, I mean, this is mostly common with small countries like us in Aotearoa. When you're looking at your smaller industries, the we are known as one of the most innovative countries per capita. So any form of bilateral agreements as such or global agreements, you know, there's always a potential fear for the small little business owners, however and whichever sector that they are in. Um, with RCEP now looking at PESA Plus, which New Zealand is uh, uh, one of the main uh, member countries in it, what kind of overflow benefits uh, or impact to the region and this particular agreement as an outcome of New Zealand joining RCEP? Well, look, PESA Plus doesn't offer you know huge uh, opportunities per se, but it, uh, for New Zealand, but it does offer security, particularly for the Pacific nations. And one of the issues to, this morning, we've announced that 2,000 RSE workers, or an additional 2,000, we will be able to come into the country. And what Pace Plus does for those Pacific nations is say, you know, we want a fair opportunity for the movement of people to be able to take up opportunities like uh, employment uh, and working. And so. Um, you know, it's 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 just fair rules that protect the the smaller players as much as um, it, it gives opportunity to the bigger ones. And uh, so, you know, Pacer Prices comes into in, into force on I think December the thirteenth. Again, not huge opportunities overnight, but some rules that give us give certainty, particularly for those Pacific nations. Speaking of the uh, seasonal worker, the news released um, that's. Um a lot of the farmers, I mean, they, 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 I, I feel like they were expecting a little bit more than what they're getting. I mean, now uh, they have to pay the living wage of $22 an hour. They would even have to then cover the cost of quarantine and pay the workers for at least 30 hours a week. I mean, if you are a farmer looking for help from the government in this particular season, um, it doesn't look like much. Well, look, you know, we're here first and foremost for New Zealanders and those people who are here. Uh, with COVID, we've seen a lot displaced from their jobs, and we want to ensure that within the economy, there are opportunities for people to earn a fair uh, living, uh, pay for their families, and, and have, have some security. So that's our first objective. Um, we, uh, when last in government, uh, way back in 2005, 2006, we, we introduced RSE as an opportunity to assist the industry in its growth period and, and provide opportunities through through remittances back to the Pacific nation. It was a win-win. Um, but, but a total reliance on RSE is not what government ever set out to do. And so what we're just making sure that balance of opportunities for New Zealanders and then I guess supplementary support from the RSE workers is kept right. So this shouldn't be just um, carte blanche. We we don't want to open the doors. Uh, there is There are COVID issues as well, although the countries from which these workers come don't have COVID, uh, but there still are 
you know, some requirements we have to have in place around uh, quarantine, of course, two weeks quarantine. Um, uh, there is payment for that by the industry. So, you know, when they utilise these RSE workers, then they ensure they get a fair income and that they, that, you know, that, that perhaps the, the same employer looks to New Zealand first uh, or New Zealanders first to fill those gaps, um, you know, if people want to come and work. And so... Finding that balance is, is, has been a challenge for us, but I think the industry, um, they're very innovative. There are Kiwis out there who are prepared to come and work, particularly if a living wage is paid to them as well. Uh, one of the the conversations already floating around the Pacific Circle is just the worry that if this, uh, if this is how much uh, responsibility the the company or the farm, the farmer will have to pay and able to have whatever portion of the 2,000 workers that are coming in, that they are going to try and get some of that money back through uh, the cost of living, um, uh, traveling conditions, which will result in, and though they're getting $22 an hour, uh, nothing much will be left to be sent home. Uh, look, that's a fair question, and uh, I can assure you and, and the employers and those who are listening that we will be monitoring this closely, and anyone who does that, and we've, got, we've specified in there that that money cannot be clawed back. Um, and there are, you know, there are some pretty smart ways where that can happen. Uh, where that does happen, then those employers will not have access to RSE in the future. That is quite clear. Um, you know, we want a fair system here, as I say, incentivised, um, you know, to employ New Zealanders first, um, but also to respect and look after the RSE workers that come into this country. The horticultural sectors are doing really, really well at the moment. There's growth opportunities. Um, you know, New Zealand produces some very healthy fruit, um, vegetables and, and wine to go around the world. We just want some of that value and, and benefit to be shared with the workers um, and that will incentivise you know, New Zealanders to keep uh, connected to horticulture and, and maybe take it up as a career. Uh, finally, Minister, I know that you've yet to release the number of countries or the particular Pacific Island nations where the 2,000 uh, RSE workers will come from. Uh, will you be looking at assessing the incoming RSE workers based on um, COVID and the existing and how the preparation in their home islands as part of your selection process? Or is it based on the track record of each island and their performance? And which particular region in New Zealand will they be mostly be uh, working in? Look, those things have to be worked through with uh, the industry in terms of where they might work. Uh, if you come back to, uh, firstly, our, our, our concern always that we don't allow the spread or the introduction of COVID into the, any of those islands. Their health systems are not as, I, I guess, as, as robust uh, as ours, and so we're very conscious of that. We are talking with the governments of those countries. Um, they have to ensure that they will repatriate the workers, um, but they'll also want to know that the workers who come back home um, are not going to have COVID. So, you know, we, we're in negotiations on this. That's why just opening it up to the numbers that the um, industry wanted was unrealistic and, and could have been very dangerous. So we're working very carefully through all these details. Honourable Minister of Agriculture, Trade and Export Growth, uh, Damien O'Connor, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Manuela Valawaso. Thank you, Opa.